I like this one. I'm excited to record it. Number 26, a toast to being wrong. Dresses, drywall mud, and parent-teacher conferences. At some point when I was a kid, I made a rule for myself that I wouldn't wear dresses because that would mean that I wasn't tough, which was a very important distinction to me at that time. In the interim three decades, I've possessed perhaps five dresses. Then, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, I went to my cousin's wedding wearing one of the two dresses that I currently owned. Shortly after that, I ran across a picture of myself from 14 or 15 years earlier wearing that same dress. It dawned on me that I had been following a rule that my little girl self had made years back without realizing it, and that that particular rule had been guiding my behavior unbeknownst to me for however long it had been. It's not that I'd intentionally been trying to stick to that rule. See, the thing is I didn't even realize that I had it. As soon as I became aware that I had been following the antiquated no dresses allowed rule, I was able to question and disassemble it. Being that I am a nearly exclusive thrift store shopper when it comes to clothes, supplementing my wardrobe in light of my epiphany was a relatively low stakes endeavor. I am now the proud owner of over a dozen dresses. They are comfortable, versatile, and a time saver when getting dressed on account of being a self-contained one-piece outfit. If only I discovered and reevaluated this outdated rule earlier. And this made me wonder, how many other little rules currently govern my thought patterns and behavior from behind the scenes without me even realizing it? Well, here are a few that I've run across since. Last summer, I did some drywall with my parents, hanging sheets of drywall and taping the edges. At some point a long time ago, my dad taught me to tape drywall by running the trowel with a calculated touch perpendicular to the tape when joining two sheets. I have done my taping that way ever since, much to the chagrin of my husband who insists that it is more efficient and yields a cleaner line to run the trowel parallel to the tape. Then, when taping this summer, my dad interrupted my perpendicular taping to recommend the same benefits of mudding in a parallel movement. But wait, I thought to myself, you're the one who taught me to do it perpendicularly. Perhaps he had taught me that way in a particular situation, a tight corner where the superior parallel technique was just not possible. Perhaps he had in fact taught me the parallel method originally and I had misunderstood or misremembered over time. Regardless, I had been doing it wrong all these years because I was locked into an old script of how I thought it was supposed to be. I hadn't questioned whether my younger self had misunderstood, misinterpreted, hadn't questioned whether or not the old method was working well for me and producing the results I wanted, and hadn't reevaluated my original model. Even more recently, last Friday in fact, I experienced this phenomenon yet again. You see, last Friday was the day of parent-teacher conferences. And parent-teacher conferences have historically been for me, well, terrifying. Being buried alive, karaoke, and then parent-teacher conferences are my greatest fears in that order. I've been yelled at by parents many times, the whipping boy for their general frustrations at the school. 
and some directly about me. It's stressful to cram all the necessary conversation into the allotted time, which frequently results in cutting parents off, not cutting them off, and awkwardly suggesting through my body language that they figure that out for themselves, while all the while the next family fumes at the door waiting for their turn. Towards the end of the day, somewhere around conference number 12 out of 18, I have used up all my adult words and struggle together to piece. Oh, even now, here you go, an example. And struggle to piece together sentences. See, even when I'm not doing conferences, this is hard. You can only imagine after a whole day of talking. It's like trying to write something coherent out of a set of magnet poetry which has had all of the core functional words removed. Conferences are exhausting mentally and emotionally and leave me entirely drained. But this time was different. Parents were kind and collaborative, appreciative and receptive. We found a lot of common ground in our conversations, a sense of camaraderie through voicing the same challenges of public education that we've all experienced through the upheaval of the last couple years. The same disappointments and incredulity around how certain decisions and situations have been handled at the school. The parents I talked to were grateful to be heard and understood. Students were shockingly honest with their own mistakes and frustrations with their classmates from the past trimester and inspiringly insightful around their own successes, their own hopes and goals for the rest of the year. The majority of the day felt like a breakthrough of connection and genuineness that was invigorating rather than exhausting. I won't say it was a full 180 on my attitude toward conferences, but the experience certainly shattered my old mental rule about them. When I got home that evening, I had a little glass of whiskey and made a toast to being wrong. In a recent episode of one of my favorite podcasts, Unfuck Your Brain, the author discusses how freeing and exciting it is to be wrong. It doesn't mean that we're bad or stupid to have been wrong. We were working with the information that we had at the time. When we get new information, we can change our mind and the way we think about something. Being wrong means we are able to learn. If we had been right about everything in the past, then we have no hope of changing in the future. If something wasn't working, it would never be able to get better if we already had all the answers right. Being wrong means we get to learn and grow and we're not locked into the way things were before. There's no shame in being wrong because being wrong means that things can be different and get better. I get to wear dresses now because I was wrong before and now I'm allowed to change my mind. Being wrong about how to tape drywall means that from here on out, I get to do it a better way. Being wrong about parent-teacher conferences means that I don't have to dread them in the future because my model before was that they were scary and exhausting. But now I have new information, and I get to change my mind about that too. We don't 
owe anything but some grace and forgiveness to our formal self. We were doing the best we could with the information we had then, and now we have new information. Being wrong means that we can let go of the past and be willing to think about and experience things differently in the future. So here's a toast to being wrong.